Hey guys, Emily here. I wanted to pop in before the episode officially begins to let you know about a free mini-series that I'm offering. This is a mini-course that I'm calling the Studio Series. It is going to be five videos devoted to the topics of creative entrepreneurship, sustainable creativity, how to know whether or not your work is good, the career paths available to you as an artist. We're covering a lot of ground in these five, these five episodes. And there's also a bonus Q&A session with me. How exciting is that? The only thing you have to do to get access to the course, which is 100% free, no strings attached whatsoever, is go to emilyjeffordslearn.com and RSVP. That's it. Super, super simple. I cannot wait to see you there March 15th through the 20th. Okay, on with the episode. Welcome to Do It For The Process, a podcast for artists, creatives, and those who are creatively curious. This podcast explores the intersection between art and business, and we may just discover that they're not actually that different. I'm your host, Emily Jeffords. I'm an artist, mother, educator, and founder of the hashtag Do It For The Process. I know firsthand the joys and the struggles that come from being a working creative, and I'm here to shed some light and hope on your path. You are not alone in this. Hello, and welcome to podcast episode number eight. I'm so excited to open the door on this conversation. Can artists actually sell artwork online? I mean, really. This is something that I get asked so frequently as I do mentorships or classes or workshops or retreats. The idea of artists selling their work online on their own terms, from their own creative space, from their own intuition and inflow with their lifestyle is so revolutionary and such a gift of our times that a lot of artists are still wrapping our heads around it. We're still coming to terms with a loud motorcycle still coming to terms with um, how this plays into the art world how galleries you know are affected by it how our careers will evolve because of this so some of the topics I want to get into today are communicating with your audience in an effective and valuable way removing doubt and allowing your audience to trust you sharing a lifestyle and not a product connecting genuinely with your audience and finding your own flow in your creative career. So let's dive in. This podcast episode is brought to you by my new course, Making Art Work, which I'm excited to say has its own website now. There is information available to you. You can see the outline of the course, exactly what we'll be going through each week, all the different modules, all the different lessons all of the different ways that you can engage with the course. They're all outlined. The, the website is beautiful. I spent a lot of time working on it, so please check it out. The web address is emilyjeffordslearn.com and you can find so much information there as well as the dates where you can enroll, which that's gonna be so much fun. So again, it's emilyjeffordslearn.com. All right, let's get into this episode. The topics that we're discussing today are actually very foreshadowing of the course because a large, a large component of this course is enabling artists to take their creative practice 
out of the privacy of their studio and from behind closed doors and present it to the world in a way that is authentic and beautiful and powerful and in a way that encourages their audience to become fans, to become collectors, to become patrons of their career. Um, really, I really want this course to be very empowering, but in a way that feels so genuine and so good. Marketing should always feel good. If it doesn't feel good, you're not going to continue it because that's just how we are as humans. So I think there, there are so many great ways to market your work, to bring your work to the world in a way that is just so effective and so genuine and so in line with who we are as creatives. So that was a total side note. All right. When I began my creative practice, I was a hobbyist. I've told you about that in episode two, uh, a bit of my origin story. I was practicing out loud. I was, you know, doodling, essentially. I was, you know, I was painting, but like, you know, I was working through ideas. I was definitely formulating my own perspective very slowly, very publicly. Um, I had just finished art school. And my senior show, which was almost a complete sellout, um, gave me a lot of encouragement and gave me a lot of, of assurance that I should continue in this. But even with that encouragement, I knew my work wasn't ready for a gallery. I, I did have one um, group show, well, I guess like a duo show with another artist friend of mine at a gallery the year after I graduated from college. But I was not ready for representation. I wasn't ready, my work wasn't ready for that level of professionalism and that ready, that, that level of me putting my work out into the world as something that I was truly standing behind myself because I was still experimenting and, and practicing and playing and, you know, there's just a lot of wrestling that a young artist needs to go through and that's what I was doing. But I still wanted to sell my work just in a little, like a way that felt more organic and felt more grassroots and felt more like the buyer was connecting to me as an artist and less to my work as a product. Not that all galleries do that, but a lot of them, you know, you're connecting to the painting itself, which is lovely and, you know, totally valid. So I had the, you know, the honor of being born when I was and the internet becoming what it was. And by 2009, I was able to set up a shop on Etsy. Etsy was a baby. Etsy was such an intimate community back then. Um, I had a blog. It was horrible. Like I had mentioned in that first, that first podcast about my origin. Um, but I just began putting my work on the internet and seeing what came of it. And you know what came of it? Goodness. Connecting with humans that still follow me to this day, that still pride themselves in having one of those earliest pieces, which, I mean, full transparency they're being very generous and very gracious with that because the work was not that great but um you know like they're they're proud of their their part that they played in my in my origin in my journey as an artist which I'm very very thankful for so I want to just you know start this conversation off with no matter where you are in your career whether you are really well established and your work is truly masterful or whether you're just beginning and you're in that struggle phase and in that practice and experimentation phase, as long as your work is truly yours and not a replica of someone else or not, you know, copied by someone else, you absolutely should put it into the world as 
part of your journey. If you, if you feel comfortable doing so, if you feel like it's too intimate or too vulnerable to do that, then, you know, don't do that, of course. But if you feel brave enough, if, if you feel like you want to share your journey and share your, your, you know, this moment of your life with the world, then go for it. The internet is a very generous place to do so. But the question you're all asking, Emily, how do you connect with buyers on the internet? How do you meet collectors online? I know, I know you're asking yourself this question because I get asked this question every single time I teach. And the answer is not simple. There is no formula. There are not, there is not a a pool of collectors waiting for you to show them their work. They just, it's not how the world works. You know this. Think of, of your collectors like a regular buyer, like a regular consumer of goods. How do you consume goods? How do you purchase things, especially higher end items? Are you comfortable by buying them online? Are you more comfortable buying them in person? Um, the kind of person that buys work, artwork online is also the kind of person that will follow your career that connects with you on a very human level, on a very person-to-person level. It's actually fairly rare for a buyer to stumble upon a painting on Pinterest and then just click over and buy it when it's, you know, $500, $1,000, $5,000, whatever it may be. Anything over a hundred bucks and you really have to develop no like and trust. Um, And even under a hundred dollars, it's kind of just my rule of thumb. If it's over a hundred dollars, then they really need to connect with me. They need to know that I'm trustworthy, that they like me as a person, that they like my work, and that they know that I'm, you know, going to fulfill my end of the promise of, you know, providing them with this artwork. And more than that, they need to know that purchasing my work is going to bring not only aesthetic beauty, but meaning into their lives. And that takes a rather deep connection to both me and to my my business, my brand, my worldview. Not that we have to see eye to eye in every way by any means, but they have to know me enough to know that bringing this into their home is going to elevate the way that they want their home to speak also. Does that make sense? All right, so some ways to build that trust with your collectors and your audience. While there are so many ways to connect with your, your ideal customers, your ideal collectors, These are a few tips that generally will help your impact on the internet specifically, um, you know, really make, really make a difference in someone's mind and in their heart. So the first point I want to make is to use your voice. So you don't have to actually speak audibly, but use your written words in a way that is very genuine to you, that is very um, authentic to the way that you see the world, the way that you communicate in real life, the way that you... Um, you know, just your perspective, be you. Instagram stories are a great way to actually be a person, to be a human. Um, I think the internet can often look so shiny and so beautiful and perfect, but Instagram stories are a great way to kind of bring your humanity home. You can still be lovely. You can still be elegant and on brand, but you can do so in a way that's a little bit more relatable and a little bit more accessible to the random person just watching in the middle of their living room that's also full of baby toys and, um, you know, whatever, whatever their life may look like. It's your job to meet them where they are and to make your work a source of peace for them or a source of excitement or beauty or whatever your 
your mission is, you can do that on a tiny little scale on the screen of their phone. And then they can imagine that filling more of their life and filling more of their wall and filling more of their of their home. They can become a collector of many works. So, you know, it starts with that small, tiny entry point of of your phone or of their computer. And then it spreads and spreads and it becomes tangible and real and physical in their in their actual home, which is so, so cool. So I mentioned to use your written voice, but do also use your actual speaking voice. In my opinion, and you guys can, you know, let me know if this is right or wrong because you're experiencing it right now. I think that hearing someone's actual voice is one of the fastest ways into their life and into their heart and mind. I think that you can read something and you can, you know, transpose your own inflections into it. You can, you can read your own meaning into it. But when you hear someone say something for themselves, you hear them and what they actually think and feel and mean. And that's really, really powerful, especially as a marketing, uh, I do not want to use the word ploy. What's a different word? A marketing tactic that also sounds disgusting, a marketing avenue, we'll work on that. We'll work on that terminology, but a way into someone's heart and mind, which is what marketing is at its most fine, you know, version of itself. All right. The next tip, use video. So if one of the fastest ways into someone's heart and mind is your voice, an even faster way is video. Now video is a little bit more high maintenance. You know, you can listen to someone while you do something else. You can listen while you do the dishes or while you drive or while you do whatever you're doing. Um, Video requires you to use your ears and your eyes, which is a little bit of a higher ask but so worth it, especially if you're sharing something beautiful and aesthetically pleasing. Video is such a dynamic way into their life and really into their, you know, you really make an impact on their memory. So make your videos worth watching, make them, you know, well done, make them elegant, make them personal, um, informative, whatever your vibe that you're going for for that particular video or a series of Instagram stories, or whatever it may be. It can be easy. It can be very accessible for you to create. But make sure that you're conveying what you want to convey in an in a effective way, in a good way. All right, and the third point, share your vision. So share your aesthetic. This can be a little bit more overarching, and it can also include flat medium, like photographs or graphics. Share your your vision and your perspective in a way that is so consistent and so beautiful. Like we talked about in the Instagram um, series, the aesthetic that you put out into the world is such a determining factor in someone's trust of your aesthetic and of your creative work and of your brand. So if you're putting out images that are not speaking to your vision, not showing what you want to tell, you know, your what your story is, how you see the world, how you want to see your ideal world. If those things aren't coming through, then your artwork is also being distrusted. Your artwork is also being put down and lumped into that, you know, murky, cloudy, confusing, not so pretty, not so elegant pile. You, you don't want that for your work. So only put out only put out images that are elegant and beautiful and good and communicate authority, communicate a clear vision and radiance and and brilliance. Don't overthink it and don't get too hung up on it. 
but also be careful and don't tarnish your your work because you just post a half-hearted image or a hasty photograph especially as someone who offers a high value service and a high price item you have to be as elegant as a high-end brand but also relatable and also a human and fun and enjoyable and I'm not saying this is easy, guys. This is not easy. You have not chosen an easy job. I am sorry. I wish it was just a simple recipe I could hand to you, but it's not. And that's honestly part of the fun. You know, like that's part of the reason that we do this is because we get to play with our creative work, of course, like, you know, creating a painting or creating a piece of music or whatever your creative outlet is. It's so much fun and it's such a challenge and that creative struggle is so enjoyable for most of us. And also being an entrepreneur is so much fun. Like all of these things are the same form of experimentation, the same form of creativity coming out, but in a different way, in a different medium. So when it begins to feel overwhelming, think of it as part of your creative process, as part of your studio practice is to play with photography, play with copy editing, to play with, you know, how to film something, how to record something, um, embrace challenges, embrace new things. As you're building up this know, like, and trust phase, so they have, your audience members need to know you as a person, as a, as a creator, they don't need to know all about you. They don't need to know, you know, the dirty things you're hiding in your closet or how like the DMV visit went or, you know, things like they don't need to know every facet of your life, but they need to know you as it relates to your work. They need to like what they see, to like what they're hearing, to like and enjoy what they are experiencing from you. And they need to trust you. So you need to be consistent, be reliable, show up, prove to your audience that you are someone worth following, worth investing their time in, even if it's just a few seconds, worth investing a little bit of thought in, um, worth investing, you know, interactions. So if you ask them to comment, do they comment? If they do, that's a true sign that they are trusting you, they're liking you, and they're getting to know you. If they engage with an Instagram poll, or if they engage with a newsletter that you send out, or a Facebook ad that you promote, or whatever it may be, any of those marketing tactics, if they, oh gosh, that word again, ugh, ugh, um, okay, you know what I mean, if they engage with that, with those interactions, that's a really good barometer for, are they liking you, are they knowing you, and are they trusting you? So stated a little bit more clearly, a good way to know if people are, are knowing you, liking you, and trusting you is do they invest time in you? Do they invest by sharing their lives and perspectives with you? Do they offer feedback? Do they cheer you on? Do they do what you ask? So if you ask them to visit your website, do they go? If you ask them to comment below, do they comment? Um, do they invest in small ways? So not high, high dollar amounts, but do they invest by purchasing something that's, you know, a lower price point or a lower ask? Do they want to hear more from you? Like, do they want to join your newsletter? Do they want to join your Facebook group? Um, all of these are really good ways to know if someone is relating with you and connecting with you. They're so simple. Um, and 
like I said in previous episodes, the goal of connecting with humans is to connect with humans, not to connect to a mass numbers, not to make a million sales. If you have that kind of business, that's fine, but I would argue that it's not an art business. It's an entrepreneurship, which is, again, fine, but an artist's goal is to communicate. An artist's goal is to reach humans' hearts and minds. And to do that, you have to actually want to reach humans' hearts and minds, which means that connecting with a million people isn't necessarily the goal. Connecting with a hundred people that are actually listening and actually engaging, it's so much more valuable for you as a fine artist or as a maker or as a creative, selling something that comes from your heart. So keep that in mind. That might... I hope that is encouraging and I hope that relieves some stress because I think a lot of the of the information, especially on like social media growth or, you know, just our culture says that more is better and that more is how you become successful. Not necessarily, not necessarily at all, because if you don't have the capacity to create a relationship with a hundred thousand people, then you're going to let 90% of them suffer. If you have a capacity to have a relationship with 500 people, then that's what you should you should aim for. And as your audience grows, you have to grow in your ability to communicate. But just amassing, you know, a million followers or 100,000 followers or 10,000 followers when you're not actually able to meet their needs and communicate with them, it's not actually going to do you any good different topic but also not also the same topic for sure okay let's move on <laughs> all right the next main point I want to make is that you are not selling a product you're not selling a painting or a song or a cake or a flower bouquet or a graphic like a logo whatever you're not selling any one of those things you're selling a lifestyle every single time you sell something creative you're selling a lifestyle. You are never selling a thing. Let that sink in for a minute. This concept has changed the way that I communicate with my audience. It's changed the way that I try to sell my work. It's changed so much of my business for the better because I'm not selling a thing. I'm selling a feeling. I'm selling freedom and joy and belonging and peace. I'm never selling a painting, even though I, I do sell paintings and I do sell classes and workshops and prints and all these things. But when I do so, I'm never selling the thing itself because humans don't want to buy things. We don't want more stuff. That's not what we're about. We want to improve our lives. We want to make our lives more in line with our visions, more in line with who we are as individuals, more in line with what we want and crave in our own emotions. And that is at the root of creativity in and of itself. As, as you know, um, you create because you want more, I'm, I'm just going to throw out some words, you want more freedom or expressiveness or intuition or hope or whatever it may be. Those are at the root of your creative practice. And that is actually the root of your purchaser's desire as well. 
So while the end result might be aesthetically pleasing, it might be something that they're proud to hang on their wall or proud to have in their home or proud to have in their life, the actual root of that purchase is emotion. So make sure you know what those emotions are or what you think that they might be for your buyer and speak to those instead of speaking to the product itself. This is so freeing for those of us who are not famous artists, for those of us who are not in the Louvre or in, you know, high-end galleries. This means that we have the ability to connect with our, our audience and our collectors and our buyers very, very intimately and in a way that actually creates um, authentic connection, which leads to sales. Now, I think that if someone were to, you know, buy a Picasso painting at an auction, they would also be in line with this, this idea. They're, you know, they're purchasing that Picasso because they want prestige or they want status or they want to be super fancy or whatever. But most of us are looking for something more intimate and more honest to our view of the world or our view of the, the world that we want to live in. So your collectors will purchase high ticket items. They will spend, you know, they will like the dollar amount doesn't matter as much as the feelings associated with it. So if they want a large painting on their wall that speaks to the feelings of peace and hope and belonging, then they will invest in those feelings because those feelings are valuable to them. They are investing less in the quality of the thing that you're creating, although it needs to be good, it needs to be high quality, it needs to speak truth and trustworthiness and value to your customers for sure and your collectors. But more than, you know, um, than talking about how great your quality is or how great your object is. Um, talk more about how it will make them feel, how it will bring these things into their home and into their lives. If you want to work through this concept more, I'm going to create a PDF and make it available on the website. Go to emilyjeffords.com. Oh, wait, no, no, no. It'll be on the new site. Go to emilyjeffordslearn.com forward slash podcast, emilyjeffordslearn.com forward slash podcast. Um, there you can find a PDF that will just give you some space to work through these concepts and to like, you know, wrestle through your own version of this because all of us have different businesses. All of us have different work and different practices. And I think it'll be very, very helpful to add some clarity to how you speak to your audience, how you market to them. Um, this is going to be a mini version of the module three and four from making artwork. It'll be... A bit of a condensed, um, quick vision of, of what we'll be getting into in those modules, which I'm so excited about. They're just so, so powerfully transformative. So again, go to emilyjeffordslearn.com forward slash podcast and you'll find it there. Okay, um, I'm going to give you the questions that I ask myself when envisioning ways that I should speak with my collectors and with my, my audience members that I hope will become collectors. These are some questions that I just envision and run through um, to make sure that I'm on the right path. Number one, how does it make them feel? So the emotions that are at the root of my work, what are they? How can I connect those emotions with my collector's heart and mind? 
Number two, do they get joy from having a beautifully designed home? And if so, what is that aesthetic? So for instance, I'm probably not going to target my work at someone that likes really dark art because they're not going to like my work. That's just not what I do. Um, someone else can definitely market to those people. Totally fine. That's just not me. So, you know, knowing the aesthetic of the person that you're, that you think that would enjoy your work the most. Does supporting an emerging artist make my ideal collector um, feel fulfilled or would they prefer to have the work of a more established artist? And this would inform the way that I speak about my own work. You know, I could definitely lean into like, you know, I'm just starting out. I'm only 10 years in. Um, you know, I'm practicing with this new medium. Or like, you know, you can talk like someone who's still exploring. Or you can talk like someone who's very established and who's very confident. And both of those are fine. Both of those have their place. And you have to decide which route you want to take and which which route you're your ideal collector is going to be more into. Um, but do ultimately what, what feels the most genuine for you, for sure. After they buy the painting, are they going to be proud to show it to their friends? And if so, and hopefully they do, if so, how will they describe it? What words will they use when they talk about the work? Because, you know, I created it. It's my, my baby. It's my thing that I've made. But once I sell it, I release that physical part of it. You know, I still keep the images. I still keep the copyright, all that stuff. But they get to live with it. They get to be the ones that are in its presence. So how does it speak to them? How is it interacting with them in their lives? And how do they talk about it with their, you know, the visitors that come to their home or people that see it on their Instagram or, you know, whatever. Um, I think that's really interesting to think about. How is it communicating with them after it leaves my studio? And then finally, does the, wor does the work itself communicate their worldview? So what is their worldview? How do they see the world? What are they into? What are they, what are they enjoying and thinking and feeling? And does my work either complement that or add to it or further it or add a new perspective to it or whatever it may be? Just how does that, how does my work engage with their worldview and their, their way of being on this earth? I think at the root of this conversation is the concept that art is yours. Art is something so intimate, something that is so um, personal to you, especially while it's in your studio, especially while it's in your creative process. Once it leaves your studio, whether you post an image of it or whether you share it publicly in a, in a public space or on your website, it now is a form of communication. And it's now its own entity and it can speak for itself. Obviously you should speak for it because good art deserves to be spoken up for, but you know, it has its own voice. It has its own way of being in the world. And that's just really powerfully beautiful. Um, so, so cool. All right. So in conclusion, you are not selling your, your work. You are selling an idea and a lifestyle. And in order to do that, you first have to be known and liked and trusted, trusted. <laughs> you're offering a little bit of yourself to others with all of these things. And if your work is authentic and if it is coming from your point of view, it will connect 
so beautifully and so seamlessly with the minds and hearts of your ideal collector, which is so freeing because you don't have to be a slimy salesperson. You don't have to do things that feel disingenuous. You just relate how you feel about your work. You share it elegantly and consistently and in a way that elevates it and makes it more, um, more powerful and more true to itself. And you do so, you know, consistently and you will attract buyers that resonate with your work. You will attract an audience, especially as you become better at this whole online medium, this whole, you know, selling your work online is such a unique dance between being a creative working in your studio and being a business person and being someone who's, you know, good at technology, good at photography, good at communicating, good at, you know, it's, it's so rare to find an artist who's selling their work online that isn't good at these things. So while they may not come naturally to you and while they may not be your first love, it's worth investing your energy into learning how to be better at marketing and photography and setting up a website and managing a shop and all of these other aspects to running your own creative business. And full disclosure, if these things don't resonate with you and you, if you have no desire to do this, then work with the gallery. That's a hundred percent fine. If that, if you just want to paint and just want to create and want to create work that speaks for itself and doesn't need you to speak on its behalf, then a gallery might be a really great way to go. I'm speaking about those artists that are like me, that want to have their fingers in all of the pies, that want to have control over all of the aspects of their their work and how it is, you know, perceived in the world and seen in the world. Galleries also have the benefit of being in person. You can see something, you know, with your own two eyes and be close to it and smell it and touch it if you can sneak in a little, a little tap without the uh, curator noticing. So I know this is not for everybody and that's fine. Do what is most resonant with you. Do what is the most, what'll make your work the most successful. But if this does sound like a path that you want to go down, really take these things to mind because in this modern day and age, what an old term phrase to use. Oh my gosh. Um, but you know what I mean? In, in this fast paced, like digital world that we live in, you can't sit idly by and assume that your efforts will work. You can't just, you know, half, half heartedly put your work out into the world and assume that it's going to speak for itself because the internet is too noisy and too fast and too loud. It's going to just get lost and you don't want that for your work. You don't want that for your creativity, for your studio, for your longevity and your sustainability in this creative practice. So continue improving, continue getting a little bit nerdier, a little bit more comfortable with tech, a little bit more comfortable with photography, hire photographers if you have no interest in that, hire designers, hire you know tech people to help you. Um, but make sure that you are you feel comfortable and enabled to meet your audience where they are because they are not going to come to you. You have to go to them and pull them to you because you're so beautiful and so attractive and so wonderful and charismatic and whatever, whatever your words are. Be you. Be authentically, powerfully you and you will attract people. But if you're not showing up, you're not going to attract anybody because they're not going to see you and they're not going to know that you exist. <sighs> it's true. Okay. 
I hope this is encouraging. I hope this was not only encouraging, but I hope this um, was empowering and enlightening. I really want this conversation to be one where you're like, oh, that's what I should be doing. Or, oh, that's how I can change this aspect of my business or of my marketing. These tools are so simple and these mindset shifts are so, so simple, but they really will attract the right buyers, the right audience members, the right business partners or whatever, whatever you're trying to attract, these work, these ideas work. So dig into it, download the PDF at emilyjeffordslearn.com and I can't wait to see what awesome things you do. It's going to be really cool to watch. All right. That is all for this week. Again, go to emilyjeffords.com. Oh my gosh. emilyjeffordslearn.com. I am still getting used to this new website. Can you tell? Go visit it. I, while I may not know the name of it, I have put in a lot of work on the design of it and making it really, you know, beautiful and informative and you can find all about making artwork, my new 12-week course. You can find all the info on it there. You can sign up to be the first to hear about um, open registration when that becomes available. Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be so great. All right. I will see you next week. Until then, may you be well. May you make good work. And may you always do it for the process. Cheers. <laughs>